said that some people have lots of energy to spare, and they can keep up with your kids. We appreciate all of our volunteers who work with our children and our uh, middle school and teens, and we have a college group as well, so we, we have a good mixture of ages here at Trinity, and we're glad for that. That's healthy, you know. Uh, we don't focus on any one group. We try to encourage everyone, and uh, especially right now, we're focusing on our young folks, our kids, our preteens, our teens, and uh, for the next few weeks here, we're looking in a, a series that I hope will be encouraging to you. Now, I'm getting old enough that sometimes I think like, I, I sound like the old man who says, all these young people, what's happened to them? But believe me, I do not want to be that way, okay? Here's what I want to say. I am very encouraged by the younger generation. In fact, I hear that younger men in particular are turning to truth, and that's very encouraging. Uh, young people want to know. I know sometimes you don't want to be told, so we're trying not to tell you, but I want to share with you what God says and let you hopefully come to some of your own conclusions, because when you do that, it's best. You know, you, you're at a time in life when... You've been taught by your parents, you've been taught by your pastors, you've been taught by your youth pastor, but you're coming to a time in life when you need to make your own decisions. And we want you to make good decisions. By the way, you can make good decisions. And so we're going to talk about some of those as we go through this study in uh, the life of Joseph the next few Sundays. Well, we started last week, so you didn't miss much if you didn't get to come last week. But let me tell you something about pastors who have a shepherd's heart. We don't like it when people are scattered. You've been scattered this summer, and that's okay. We scattered a little bit too, but we like it when people start coming back together. And so uh, this is the highlight of our week, seeing God's people come together. If you're joining us online this morning, we're really glad that you're with us. If, if you're watching this from our archive somewhere down the road and and uh, it's a blessing to you, we're glad, because we want to help people who don't know the Lord come to know the Lord and have a relationship with Him. But as pastor teachers, which John and I think would uh, call ourselves that, that calling from God, we want to impart truth to believers so that you can be built up, so that you can be strong, so that you don't need to come here to ask us how to make a decision. You're welcome to do that, but you can make your own decisions based upon God's Word, based upon Scripture, based upon principles that you have learned and instilled in your heart. And then when you come to a hard decision, you know the right decision to make. So it's with that spirit that I share uh, the, the messages that I'm sharing from the life of Joseph. I'm very burdened for this younger generation. And part of the reason is because our culture is very confusing. You get all kinds of messages. And you have to be able to sort through those. You know, there is, there is a grid that you can run everything through called the Word of God. It's like a prism of truth. And decisions that you make should be run through this. And so we want to help you learn to do that. And uh, that's our purpose in, 
in uh, sharing the Word of God and all the classes and the things that we do together. So we want to help you to make good decisions. So I'm going to get right to it. I'm speaking to young people this morning. But if you're over 40, you can get something from it. So supposing, young people, that you have been taken out of your culture, that at the age of 17, you're suddenly taken captive, moved into a totally strange culture, away from your parents, away from your family, away from your Christian friends, away from your support system, away from your accountability system. All those are important in life. Everything familiar to you and everything that's stable in your life is suddenly swept away. That's what happened to Joseph. Can you relate to that? Well, we can try, right? Well, it's hard for us to imagine being swept into another culture like he was and other uh, people in Scripture. You know, that happened to Daniel as well. That happened to others. But God shows us that they not only survived, they thrived in those cultures. And we want to see you not just survive in the, the strange and stranger and stranger culture that we're living in. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you tell me what's going on in the schools, and I'm like, thank you for telling me. Not sure I wanted to know that, but thank you for telling me. But we, we know that you're in a, a difficult place and a difficult culture, but you can thrive there, okay? I promise you, with God's help, with God's instruction, if you listen to Him, you have a relationship with Him, and you do what He tells you to do in your heart through His Word, you can thrive in that culture. That's the lesson that we learn from Joseph, one of them. So it's hard to imagine being in a place where everything stabilizing and meaningful is suddenly ripped away. But let me tell you something. Some of you are getting ready to stop to step on a college campus where it's just like that. It's just as different as everything that you've ever known from home, from church, from friends. All those things are going to change and you're going to have challenges. You're going to have uh, hard decisions to make. But you can make the right decisions. But you need to start thinking about it now. You're getting ready to go into a culture, and here's what I don't want you to do. Please hear from my heart. It breaks my heart when I hear about this. Young people going off to college and leaving their faith behind. To a pastor who's poured his life into people, and when you watch kids born, you watch them grow, you see them come to know the Lord, you see them growing in their faith, and you think of them going off into a strange culture and leaving everything they have ever been taught from the Word of God behind is terrifying. It's also heartbreaking. It's also very dangerous for you. This is an exciting time, but this is a very dangerous time. So I want to help you, okay? I want to help you um, understand what you're going into, 
And I want you to understand how you can thrive in that. Now, the reason I know about this culture, and I've been involved in education in the past. Our kids have gone through colleges and universities. So we know what goes on. And I also talk to college students. When, when we go out to eat, you know, most of the time the waiters, the waitresses are college students, right? A lot of them. By the way, you be good to them. Especially on Sunday, because none of them want to work Sunday. You know why? Because that's when all the mean church people come in and don't leave good tips. Now, I'm just telling you, that's what they, they say. I could have somebody stand up and give you a testimony like that, but I won't do that. He can give it another time. So remember, when they're waiting on you, you have an opportunity to have a positive impact on them. And I talk to them, and I, I ask them, uh, you know, are you a student? Yes. Where did you grow up? What's your major? And then I say, let me ask you this. Are you involved in a church? And usually the answer is, you, most always the answer is no. Now let me tell you something. We have about 43,000 college students in the New River Valley between RU, Tech, and New River. Did you know that? 43,000. You say, yeah, I know, because I don't want to go to Walmart next week. <laughs> well, be glad God has brought them here. Be glad God has brought them here, some of them to hear truth for the first time. You know, they get exposed to ministries and hopefully some of them are going to get involved in a church and we have college students who come here every year and plug into Trinity and we're, we're glad about that because that's why we're here. We want to, to, to reach out with truth. But there's also a responsibility in that. You know, we... We are a lighthouse here to reach out to people who need truth. And here's what I hear college students say who come, come here to college usually. Not always, but usually. I say, when was the last time you went to church? About four years ago. Did you grow up in church? Oh yeah, I grew up in church. I was in a youth group. Uh, went to church all my life. Well, what happened? Well, I don't know what happened. I just, I, just, I just got out of church. That's what you're facing. And that's what we don't want to happen to you. We want you to go into this new culture where everything you've always believed and everything you've always thought is challenged. And you're going to have to make decisions. We want you to make good decisions. Now, let me tell you something. I... I'm going to talk straight to you this morning, okay? Satan has a plan for your life called destruction. He tried to destroy Joseph at 17. He tried his best to destroy Joseph. He threw all kinds of things at Joseph. I'm not going to have time to even talk about all of them, but I'm going to talk about some of them because you need to know, and you need somebody to talk straight to you. So that's what I'm going to do. So I'm in Genesis 39 this morning. I don't have the Scripture on the screen. John spoils you and puts everything up there. I'm going to make you dig a little bit. I hope you have a Bible. If you don't, use your phone. That doesn't bother me. I heard 
Some guy the other day preaching, talking about how your phone's not your Bible. Well, of course it's not, but if you got your Bible on your phone, it's okay. But just remember, there is, there is a book, and if the cell phone grid goes down, you need to know that there's a Bible right here, okay? And that could happen, so just think about that. Genesis 39, if you don't have the Scripture, just listen, okay? Sometimes it's good to hear somebody else read. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and as he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. See the weight of this? The trust he put in Joseph? Now Joseph was like you, handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused. And he said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I. I don't think she liked that. Nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? She didn't like that either. So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me! But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw, verse 13, that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of the house and spoke to them, saying, See, he's brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried with a, out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. Liar. Verse 19, so it was, when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused, 
And then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. And because of the chapter divisions, we always get a preview of what's coming next. Verse 21, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. And the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Joseph is undergoing tests in life. So are you. You can pass every test if you know what you're supposed to do. And as pastors, it's up to us and, and your parents and your youth. We try to train you what to do. We tell you, what does God say? What should you do? If you're in this situation, what should you do? Joseph is passing hard tests. And it looks on the surface like every time he does something right, something wrong happens, right? Sometimes the Christian life is that way. Sometimes you think, now Lord, I made this decision because I thought it was right for you. Why did this happen to me? Well, the story's not written yet, okay? Life is a series of tests and a series of challenges. And when you make right decisions, God tests you more and He moves you and then He gives you more responsibility. And life is just that way, whatever you do, but especially the Christian life. So Joseph is being tested. And he's not just surviving, he's thriving. Even though... Most of what happens to him seems terribly unfair. And sometimes life seems that way too. But remember, God is doing something. He's making something out of you. He's making a man out of Joseph. Well, today's message is when temptation comes. Not if it comes, but when it comes. Because it will come. It's already come, hasn't it? To most of you. You've had to make decisions. Maybe you made a bad decision. Let me remind you, there's always grace with the Lord and there's forgiveness. Okay? But it's best when you make good decisions and the right decisions. And you can make the right decisions. When temptation comes. Now, if you weren't here last week, you know the story, most of you probably, that Joseph was hated by his brothers his dad sent him out to check on his brothers, and his brothers threw him in a pit. They wanted to kill him. The oldest brother said, let's don't kill him. Another brother had an idea, well, let's sell him. So they sold him. They sold him to the Ishmaelites, descendants of Muhammad, those from which Islam came, Arabs. And... Egyptians and Arabs have, have, uh, or uh, Israel and Arabs have never gotten along. There's a reason for that. I won't go into that. But uh, he has been taken captive by this group of Ishmaelites who are taking him down to, to Egypt and they sell him to Potiphar. That's where we pick up. By the way, I didn't just skip chapter 38 because it's hard, but it is hard. But it's not related to Joseph's story. You can go back and read that later. 
But here he is in Potiphar's house. Who's Potiphar? Potiphar's captain of the guard. We might call him like the secretary of defense. He is a high in a high position in Egypt. And they sell him as a servant to Potiphar. And Potiphar, being an intelligent man, recognizes right away, this is a guy that I can trust. Now he's young. 18, 19, 20. We don't know exactly how old Joseph is, but... He's tested and he passes a test and he has character and integrity and people recognize that and each time he's elevated and really it's God behind the scenes that's doing this in his life. But Potiphar looked at this young man and said, this is a man with character that I can trust. Even as a young person. By the way, you can be a person of character at a very young age. And and I know that you are. Because I know you. I know how you've been taught. I know what's been instilled in you. And you know right from wrong. And you know how to make good decisions. You, you can have character at a very young... And Joseph is an example here. Tremendous character. So he's trusted by Potiphar. And he looks at, at, at Joseph and he must have said, you know, I can trust this guy with my daughter. And I can trust this guy with my wife. I can even trust this guy with my checkbook. At a very young, that's a lot of responsibility. But Joseph could handle it. He rose to the occasion. Potiphar put him over his entire household, and I think it's interesting that it says, you know, Potiphar was probably a traveling man. He was gone a lot. He put a lot of trust in Joseph, and he basically came and went, and he said the only thing he knew was the bread he ate when he came home. Wow, that's quite a compliment. That's a lot of responsibility for a young man. And with trust comes responsibility. So he trusts Joseph implicitly. Now, one time when he is away, you know the story now because I read it, Potiphar's wife lusts after Joseph. Scripture says he was a handsome man. He was, he was young and he was tan and he was ripped and, and uh, Potiphar's wife decides I'm going to have this guy. I told you I'm going to talk straight to you. So she comes calling and she made an indecent proposal. You know what it was. Lie with me. Lie with me. Now Sometimes we shy away from certain topics in the pulpit, but I'm not going to this morning. I'm going to tell you straight, okay? Here comes this woman after Joseph. Lie with me. She makes an indecent proposal. Now, I would say that on most college campuses, I want to say all, but I I don't know that it's on all, but on most college campuses, this happens pretty soon after school starts if you're in the wrong place. Now, I, I grew up in Floyd County. Most of you know that. I was blessed to learn to work hard and, and came up with some common sense. And I learned this when I was preteen. When you take young men and young women and you put them in the same place with alcohol and drugs and all their inhibitions are gone, nothing good is going to happen. 
That's the culture you're getting ready to walk into. Some of you are already there. You know what I'm talking about. You know what goes on. You know the challenges. And you know what you're up against as you go into this culture, especially walking onto a college campus for the first time. Everything you know and everything that you have experienced is going to be challenged. Well, that was Joseph. Here he is in a new culture. Here he is with a woman who makes him an offer, an indecent offer. In fact, she insisted and she kept after him day after day after day. And one day she caught him in the house alone. And she insisted. And what did Joseph do? He said, absolutely not. He was so disciplined that he refused. And it took discipline. And Joseph tells us two reasons here why he told her that I am not doing this. First of all, you're my master's wife. He's given me everything in his house except you. But more importantly, he said this would be a sin before God. So Joseph knew right from wrong. Not only that, he knew how to make decisions and he knew uh, how to handle challenges that came into his life that he knew were wrong and he was able to make a disciplined decision and a good decision. I'll get to something here in a minute that will help you with this, okay? So what happens next? Well, you know the story because I read it. She lies about him. She sets him up. She grabs him. He runs and leaves his coat. And after he runs and she's been denied and she's embarrassed and she's mad and, you know, here's a woman who probably had everything she ever wanted except Joseph. She didn't get Joseph. So what does she do? She breaks bad and she starts screaming and she lies about him. Her husband comes home, look, Joseph tried to attack me. He tried to lie with me and here's proof I have his coat in my hand. Let me ask you something. Do you think that's fair? that Joseph did the right thing, and yet somehow he was lied about? Well, no, it's not. But Joseph didn't, didn't think about that. He, he was making the right decision. He made the right decision. As a result, the, the uh, man of the house came home. He was thrown into prison. We'll get to that later. But here's what I want to share with you this morning. At the age of 17... Satan tried to ruin Joseph's life, but Joseph had character. He not only made the right decisions, he not only survived. That's not the bar, by the way, is to survive. We're thankful when kids survive, but God wants you to thrive, even in a culture like this. Well, how do you do it? Well, you know, preachers are good at telling you what to do, but they're bad sometimes telling you how to do it. But I want to tell you how this morning because God tells us how from the life of Joseph. Now before I do that, I want to share this verse with you which you're probably familiar with. You can turn there, you can underline it, you can mark it in your notes somehow. But here's a promise of God to you as whatever age you are, but especially as a young person. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. We all face these things in life at some point. But 
God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will with the temptation also, will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God made Joseph a way of escape. But Joseph had to follow what God taught him. There's a way of escape from every temptation. It's not if temptation comes, it's when it comes. And if you're going to succeed, if you're going to survive or, and thrive in life, you have to have a plan long before the temptation comes. You think Joseph didn't have a plan? You think he just on the cuff made a decision? Now, I think Joseph had made decisions long before this, and he just implemented his plan when temptation came. So God gives us a way of escape. Here is the plan that God gave Joseph, and here's the plan I want to give you this morning. Like I said, sometimes we tell you what to do, but we don't tell you how to do it. Well, here's how to do it. First of all, make a plan. You've got to have a plan. You know, you can't just float through life and, and uh, make decisions on the fly and... You know, just make decisions on how you feel and uh, make decisions on the situation at the time. No, you've got to have a plan. You've got to make a plan. And if you don't make a plan when the temptation comes, you're probably not going to be successful. Make a plan. Now, here is the plan. I will not cross these boundaries. That would be an excellent study for a youth group, boundaries. I will not cross these boundaries. Here's my plan. Uh, I may have a lot of Christian friends, but I'm only going to date a Christian. That's a good boundary for you. You can set your own boundaries, by the way. Here's some, uh, what I think are some good suggestions. These are from Scripture, by the way. I will keep myself pure until my wedding day. That's a boundary. By the way, you set other boundaries to get there, right? I will be a virgin on my wedding day. You know, that won't happen without a plan, more than likely. You've got to set that boundary and you've got to say, here, here is my plan for my life. Do you have a plan? I think Joseph had a plan. If you don't have a plan, you need to start making one right now. And the earlier, the better in your life. Some of you need to remake your plan. Some of you don't have a plan, maybe. But you need to. You need to sit down with somebody you trust uh, and somebody that you respect and say, you know, I want to make a good plan for my life. What, what should my plan look like? Well... Joseph had some boundaries that he didn't cross because he made a plan. And that's where it started. Then there are other times that you have to avoid the scene. You know what I'm talking about. There are some places you just don't go. You have to establish this in your life. There are some places that I do not go. And if you want me to be specific... I do not go to parties. I'm not talking about birthday parties. You know the kind of party I'm talking about. 
You know the kind of parties where the alcohol flows freely. Sometimes supplied by parents. You know the kind of party I'm talking about where there's plenty of drinking, there's plenty of drugging, there's all kinds of things that reduce your inhibitions, that change people into people they wouldn't normally be, and they find themselves compromised, and they find themselves in a situation where they have ruined their life. You know people like this around you who have already are on Satan's path to destruction and ruining their lives. You don't want to go there. So you've got to have some boundaries. There are some places I don't go. Um, you go to places, your, your inhibitions are removed, you find yourself defenseless, and you've already broken your plan, if you had a plan. There are some places that you don't go and you just avoid you can make your own list. Number three, did Joseph do this? Absolutely, he left the scene. He ran. One old preacher said when that woman came after him, he saturated that place with his absence. <laughs> he, he lost his shirt, but he kept his character. Well, he ran. He ran. He ran and she lied about him, but he ran anyway. There are some times you just have to get out of there. There are times when you know this is the time I need to leave. I have to, I have to leave this scene. I have to get out of here. And by the way, parents, do your children feel like when they find themselves in a bad situation, they can call you and say, I need help? They should be able to do that. They should be able to call you and say, I need you to pick me up at this place or somebody else that you trust to pick me up at this place. No questions asked. I need to get out of the situation. If you haven't made a plan like that, I can tell you some horrible situations that will motivate you to do that if you'd like to know some personally from experience. Leave the scene. You have to have a plan. Sometimes you avoid scenes. Sometimes you leave scenes. When? Immediately. You get out of there. Number four. This is right from Joseph. Never compromise. Never compromise. Never compromise. It's usually not just a time of passion that young people make difficult or make the wrong decisions in difficult circumstances. Sometimes it's over a long-term relationship. You know, sometimes it's in a relationship that, well, we're going to get married someday anyway. Why don't you just move in with me? You know, don't ever believe that line from a guy. By the way, while we're on the subject... It used to be called shacking up. It's wrong and it's offensive to God. Now we call it living together. When you do that, you compromise. I know it's not popular to say that anymore, but it's still true. And it's an offense to God and it is sin 
And by the way, let me give you a little insight. Those relationships seldom last. They seldom last. Never, never compromise. And don't find out the hard way. Make a plan. And then finally, but first, you know, this is where we come to a decision point this morning. Make a promise to God. If you make a plan and you follow that plan and you meet the person that you love and you want to be with forever, you will be so glad that you had a plan, I promise you. You will be, and they will too. By the way, it could, it could, wrong decisions could cause you to miss the person that you want to be with for the rest of your life. So when you make good decisions, the person that you're eventually going to marry is going to appreciate that and they're going to know that you had a plan and they had a plan. And by the way, God, you know, people say, no, no young people are like this. Oh, yes, they are. I know plenty of young people. There are some young married couples here that I could point you to that I could say, say, stand and give a testimony and they can do that. I won't put them on the spot this morning, but you can go and talk to them. Down the road, when God brought the right person into their life and they had made the right decisions, it was so clear. They were so glad. And so was the person that they're married to now. And in order for that to happen, you have to have a plan. Some things you avoid, some things you leave, some boundaries you set that you're never going to compromise. But in your heart, you must make a promise to God. And I want you to bow with me this morning. I'm not going to give a public invitation, but I'm going to give a private one to you, no matter what age you are. You know, there's some adults in these situations. There are plenty of adults that have made bad decisions in situations of temptation. And unfortunately, maybe you're living with them. But this morning, right where we sit, uh, I want you just to bow your heart to God. And I want you to search your heart this morning. Where are you in your walk with the Lord? Do you have a relationship with Him? It's got to begin with a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. None of this will make sense to you. It's just words until you know that you have a personal relationship with God. Because when God brings you into His family, you belong to Him. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to Him. And when you belong to Him, He has some rights to your life, and they're all good. You know, this story of Joseph, they intended it for evil, but how did God intend it? He intended it for good. That's the commentary of the, of the, of the story of Joseph. But somewhere along the way, Joseph made the right decisions because he had a plan. Do you have a plan in your heart before God this morning? I hope I challenge you to think about this. Don't just walk out of here and say, well, that was good. I'll do it someday. Sit down and make a plan in your life. Sit down and make it with people who love you. Sit down and make it with Christian friends or with your youth leaders. And say, this is my plan. This is what I believe God wants for my life. And I will not 
compromise these things. Now, I'm going to pray for you because I'm concerned about you. And I love you. And I want to see you make good decisions in life. And I want you someday to look back and say, boy, I'm glad I did it that way, like Joseph. I'm glad. Boy, it scares you to death when you look back along the way and you see what could have happened. But you had a plan. You made the right decisions. Lord, I pray for our young people today. Pray for all of us because we all have decisions to make on a daily basis and we know when we don't have a plan we make the wrong decisions at whatever age we are. But we know Your Word. We know truth. And when we take truth seriously and we listen to You and we listen to Your Word and we see how You give us a plan for our lives, You lay it all out for Your glory and for our good And what you ask us to do is trust you and believe you and watch you work in our lives. Even in a culture like this, not just to survive, but to thrive. It's always been hard to live for you. It's hard in this culture, but it's also easy when we take you at your word and listen to you and we see it laid out like we see it here. It's very plain before us. It won't be easy to carry out, but it's very clear. So I pray for every young person this morning, while they're at this innocent age, that they will make a plan for their lives. And they'll look to you and say, God, what is your plan for my life? Okay, it's to trust Christ as my Savior. It's to make these decisions as I go through life. It's to stay plugged in to Bible study and to the Word of God and to be around people like me, people of faith who encourage me and support me. Lord, Bring this plan together in their lives as they obey you, I pray. I pray for parents this morning, grandparents, other people who have influence in the lives of young people. But most of all, I pray that you would touch their hearts. That you would give them convictions before you. That they would make promises to you that only you can help them keep. So today as... We think about these things. Hopefully as we think about them after we leave and we think about them from week to week and we think about them for the rest of our lives. We will obey You and receive Your blessing as Joseph did. As we watch how You bring our lives together and as You move us through a culture, a dangerous, dangerous culture where You already know what you want to do in our lives. Father, we commit ourselves to you today. I commit every family here, every young person, people that are listening this morning at a different time or online. Lord, help us to please you, to walk with you, knowing that when we obey you, we receive your blessing. We ask you today in Jesus' name. Amen.